All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. Scotty Scheffler is your 2022 Masters champion. We'll talk about his dominant win, continuing a dominant stretch of golf for him. Give our thoughts on Tiger Woods playing 72 holes, the coverage he received this weekend, plenty of other golfers, how they did at Augusta National. From there, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs as the play-in tournament is underway. We'll talk about the teams that are fighting to make those final few playoff spots. The Brooklyn Nets, surprisingly, in this field, can they get things turned around as the playoffs are underway? Who are the teams under the most pressure? Biggest disappointments to potentially miss out on the field? And then we'll look ahead to the teams who already are fully qualified, talk about the Celtics' path to the finals, and give some thoughts on the Western Conference as well. Finally, we'll wrap up this episode by counting down our favorite Easter eggs and films in honor of Easter Sunday. So with that, let's get started. So I hate to get started on a somber note, but I I always hate when we save sad stuff for the end. So my hope is we can kind of get it out of the way before getting into the more positive, lighthearted topics. But um, I think we get started by just talking about the tragic news that broke on Saturday morning as Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins was struck and killed by a vehicle on I-595 in South Florida, just 24 years old. And, you know, this one really hit me hard. I, um, you know, I always have a a difficult time dealing with uh, the death of young athletes. You feel like they have their whole life ahead of them, not just, you know, on their, the careers that they have as athletes, but outside of the sport. And, um, it's, it's especially tough knowing that, um, Dwayne Haskins was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, someone who was with several Steelers teammates just the day before. So, uh, really took a toll on me on Saturday morning, and it's uh, and it, a really unfortunate it, tragedy. It's even more difficult when it involves vehicle, vehicular kind of stuff. I remember, I don't know if you remember Terrence Cl- uh, Clark, is that what mm-hmm. was his name? Yep. At Kentucky. I remember he was a projected, I think, late first round, early second round pick, about to en- enter the NBA draft, and then all of a sudden he gets killed in a, in a car accident. And so, yeah, it's definitely tough when you hear... Uh, athletes passing away or getting killed when they, like you said, have their whole lives ahead of them. And yeah, it seems like for Dwayne Haskins, I feel like his perception from the world wasn't as positive as it was around the NFL. Cause when the news happened, everyone, I feel like all, like all these NFL players, whether it was teammates on the Steelers or the Washington football team or Ohio state Buckeye teammates, I feel like they, all of them said really highly positive things about him. Even if he didn't like, he had a, he was a standout player at Ohio State, and maybe wasn't the 
the best uh, NFL quarterback, but it sounds like everyone loved being around him. Yeah, I've only heard positive things. Just people talking about his his infectious smile and just, you know, how positive of a person he was. And it seemed like he was really embracing the opportunity that the Steelers gave him. Um, I know that I, like many other Steelers fans, were very excited about the potential of Dwayne Haskins when he was signed by the team. And even though he was only active for one game, he was very involved with both the organization and the Pittsburgh community as a whole. And um, it was a lot of people are were really affected by this one and like you said his, his teammates all throughout his playing career and he, he was a star at ohio state he saw the video um, that was going around of him as a, like a 12 year old kid or so talking about how he's gonna go to ohio state someday and i saw that video being one yeah. of the best quarterbacks in school history and it's uh another another like really heartbreaking thing just uh seeing that and knowing like 1997 he was born i mean this wasn't that long ago that he was a little kid and it's uh Really, really stunning, stunning news. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. It's definitely heartbreaking. Yeah, and uh, there were a lot of uh, a lot of glowing things said about him. Definitely some some really negative ones that I think got a lot of the limelight. Um, Adam Schefter being one of them. Seems like every month these days he's saying something that he has to apologize for, delete. You know take back and uh you know he was he was definitely part of the the news cycle in terms of like the negative emotions you know from this yeah from from what adam Schefter tweeted out i'm not gonna it it wasn't smart what he what he tweeted out putting pointing out that he was a standout at ohio state but also struggled uh at washington and I guess Pittsburgh, and I don't know how many games he even played in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, he just tough, tough was to a say he struggled with Pittsburgh. When he didn't I mean, really he get the opportunity. Third string, third string quarterback, yeah. right? But yeah, like he he had his moments in Washington where he looked good, and but he also ended up uh, being released. And so, but either way, yeah, it probably wasn't smart on Adam Schefter's part to tweet that out. But at the same time, you feel I feel like this is probably a really unpopular opinion, but I feel like he got too much crap like people saying he should be fired from his job and just it's like all right like he made a mistake uh, like i'm putting that stuff out and he he put out an apology and of course when he put out the apology people were saying well it was you know you should have apologized earlier or like oh well you don't really mean it or you're just doing it to promote your podcast like he put on an apology he's sorry and people make mistakes i, I thought he put out a really good apology and i, I thought and that's really another thing it wasn't i thought it was act- i thought it was an actual good apology not half-assed like he actually yeah i got very emotional just like listening to the things he was saying um and like i understand people being like you know you shouldn't have to apologize and making those comments but um you know i, I you know all that matters is how the his family you know his wife his those who are close to him feel in terms of both the initial statement and then the the follow-up you know how yeah, us who are relatively unaffected doesn't really matter as much yeah i'm i'm, I'm totally it it wasn't it wasn't great on Adam Schefter's part what he tweeted, but I'm totally fine with his apology. And like you said, it was it was actually a a good apology compared to other people's apologies. And whenever they're in situations like this, so yeah. Uh, and and another thing is, I don't know if you know, uh, Gil Brandt. Yeah, Gil Brandt. I was gonna bring him up. His, what he said on the radio the thing, was the thing. What way, he said way is worse. A hundred times worse. Yeah. Way way worse. And and Adam, I felt like Adam Schefter was getting all the heat for what he, he said. He should not have been grouped in with him at all. No, I mean, not at all. Gil Brandt definitely deserved a lot more of that heat. Like very uh, 
ridiculous take basically saying that Haskins died because he came out a year he too came early. out a, a year too early out of school that's that's bs come on that's that's awful the what he said uh what he said was so much worse than what Adam Schefter tweeted out. And I like how he put out an apology. And then, of course, Nick Castellanos just happened to hit a home run that <laughs> the same day. Every time there's a uh, a celebrity that needs to put out an apology, Nick Castellanos happens to hit a home run. <laughs> Every single time. time it happens. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it is uh, definitely difficult. You know, a reminder that uh, life is too short. You know, any any of us could living our final day at any time and you know you can't take anything for granted and um you know i i really feel for everyone affected by this and you know hope that those who were close to him you know his wife his family his teammates you know just all all the guys who were with him literally the day before just thinking oh we're gonna hang out build some you know rapport with each other it was a mitchell trubisky plan thing like yeah and, and working out through. working out uh in the spring uh, yeah Right, I mean, just for football like, season, even like though it's a, normal, a long way away. Normal thing that they were doing. Um, you know, I just really hope that they're all doing well with this, and um, I, I, I'm glad that there's uh, been a strong outpouring of emotion. You know, from Pittsburgh, the the Penguins, the Pirates, they both had moments um, in their first games after the death uh, news broke. That he's going to be honored at the Ohio State spring game. You know, he's he's definitely getting a lot of uh, love and attention from from those those teams and those communities. He he played yeah, in Washington. Of. Yeah, Washington yeah, I'm sure well. Washington as well. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good realization that athletes, even though we have like rooting interests, whether it's rooting for or against, uh, if we love or hate certain players or teams, at the end of the day, the athletes that that are playing, like they are humans. That yep, humans at the end of the day, humans so. just like us. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. You know, sorry to. Get started on a you know somber topic like that, but you know from from here hopefully we can kind of turn the mood around with some you know more positive topics. You know talking about some of the happier uh, sports events of this weekend and in these coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. And let's get it started by talking about the Masters tournament. And I wasn't sure last week, but I can tell you I. A hundred percent know who Scotty Scheffler is now. The <laughs> world number one, hottest golfer on the planet, having won four of six tournaments. He's your massive champion. And it really wasn't all that close. Not a very exciting weekend. He started to pull away on Friday and uh never really got all that close for all that long. And, you know, he's he's killing it right now. Yeah, he's he's a deserving masters champion, like you said. Win, winner of the four of his last six events, which is really, really absurd. And I mean, that's like Tiger Woods. That's Tiger, yeah, that's Tiger Woods kind of level, uh, right there. Uh, not saying he's going to be that, but the way he's playing right now, it, that's that's Tiger kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it, like you said, it, even though good for Scotty for performing the way he has performed, especially in this past tournament, but at the same time, it definitely wasn't. It got close a little bit with, so like on Friday he was up by five shots and it, and it looked like it was over, but we did see a little bit of uh, momentum from guys like Cam Smith. He was in the final group with Scotty, uh, and then he got two birdies to start the day. And he was only one back, but then all of a sudden Scotty Scheffler has that huge chip in on three, and and then all of a sudden the momentum was definitely 
shifting towards Scotty's side, especially when there were times where Cam Smith would get a birdie, but then all of a sudden he'd lose momentum, especially on 12. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, he hit it, it into was, the water. Uh, and rough hole for him. The, and then, yeah, just totally shanked that shot. And the second that happened, it was like, all right, well, this is in the bag. It's over. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean you can't... kind of felt that way, but... Uh-huh. Kind of also thought like, hey, Cam Smith, he has a shot here, and he, he had was, a shot. He was within one shot. Of, yes, he of was Scheffler. within one stroke for like ten minutes. It looked like, yeah. oh, this is good, and then yeah, he he couldn't hit a fairway. All of his drives just ended up like in the woods or you know way to the left, and um, he he's a good looking guy. I, uh, <laughs> but he did not look good playing golf on Sunday. <laughs> he does he does look like you if you if you if you add a mustache and. Add a add some long hair like he does. You do kind of look like him. <laughs> yeah, I think his his ears are a little uh little more pointed out, but oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I, 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 I see the resemblance see though. <laughs> I see it. I see it enough. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like you said, it, after that shot on twelve where he shanked it and then triple bogey twelve, he couldn't hit a fairway after that. I mean, he was missing fairways before that, but he that was in the back of his mind for sure, blowing it uh, on that hole because. Mm-hmm. he kind of figured and everyone else kind of figured that yeah this tournament is over and he can't stop thinking about what how that hole went and we've seen guys choke before on the hole like speed did in yeah. 2016 but that wasn't as bad because speed was leading by a lot while cam smith was just trying to catch the leader but still a deflating moment for cam smith and yeah he just couldn't hit a fairway after that and it was it was over uh it was well over by that point He's had a lot of success at Augusta National. I think it's only a matter of time before Smith wins that tournament. So yeah, I don't totally I, yeah, hate he, my prediction. He, I mean, he came in third. Like it's, yeah, it's not and like he I, was in I, second I was for uh, a good chunk of the tournament. So yeah, yep. definitely, definitely a close, definitely a close uh, victory for Cam Smith. Uh, I had him in one and done. Uh, I don't know if you know that format where you pick a golfer. No. So you pick a golfer, right? So I pick Cam Smith for my one and done. Does it sound like DraftKings or? No, it's just. It's not DraftKings, but it's a different thing where you pick okay. a golfer. Uh, so I picked Cam Smith this week, and he finished third, and that's that's good. But I can't pick him again. If uh, oh, okay. I can only pick kind of like one, a survivor. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of like that. Golf. But yeah. yeah, but for golf, right? So I had gotcha. him in that, but didn't win. Whatever. Yeah. Um, um, so one one fun hypothetical that uh, I heard, I I think Big Cat was the first one to point this out, and I know others are discussing it, but. Do you think that if you swapped places with Scotty Scheffler heading into 18 with a five-stroke lead, (laughs) could you have won the Masters? You know what's funny? I was texting uh, someone else about this. When he was on 18, Uh I actually said, if you put me in his spot right now, I would not... I would not complete it uh, winning. You need to (laughs) to shoot I love that that was brought up because that exact thought crossed my mind too. Where You've seen me golf. I can't... I can mini golf. I'm good. I'm a good mini golfer, but actual golf? No, God, no. I I don't think I could do it. It's a, a 465 yard par four. Uh, realistically, I feel like I shoot a 10 there, and I lose by a stroke instead of winning by a stroke. And even that might be like pushing it. Um, like I feel like I I, I started to look through it. And I was like, best case scenario, I hit like one of my best drives ever. Yeah, that- 200 yards. For me, like that, for me that's to actually, for me a great drive. So for me to actually 
accomplish uh, an eight or better. It was uh-huh. a nine to tie, but eight. Yeah, or I mean, if to you win. go to playoff, it, you're not winning, so you have yeah, to shoot ex- an eight. Exactly. So, if I sh- for me to shoot an eight or better, yeah, it would have to be my best drive ever. So yep. I'm an awful driver. Uh, Ninety nine out of a hundred times, I'll shank it left or right or barely even hit the ball. Maybe even completely whiff, but. Uh-huh. Very occasional one time, I will hit it like 150, 175 or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, you see that shot, guys? And Yeah, right. And every now even... and then. Uh-huh. Yeah, every now and then I will actually nail the shot. And so for me to actually accomplish it with Ainger better, I would have to nail the shot. And then even then, I'd probably still take me a few more shots to get on the green. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking 200-yard drive. And then maybe I can pull out my five iron and hit that. You know, one one twenty five. There was like a little bit of a bend, so we'll we'll see how we play that. But realistically, I'm thinking between my five, maybe a seven, and a pitching wedge. I can get it. it best case scenario, I get on the green in four strokes, and then probably two putt from there. So I shoot a six. <laughs> like I I don't know how I would be doing any better than that. <laughs> so uh, hard for me to think that I would won in that situation. I'm sure that there are plenty of uh, golfers who are better than us. You know, who are more scrubs that do think that they could have held up in there. But even to talk about the pressure, Scheffler four putted. He had nothing to lose and he still couldn't, uh, you know, bring it home. So if, if he's doing that, I'm sure that most of us would be freaking out. It uh, was kind of lame that he four putted to win the masters, but at the same time, he four putted to win by three to show. Yeah. Oh, he, he just had nothing to lose. He yeah. Was it, just he, messing around. It took him four putts, but he was, he still won by three three strokes which is pretty absurd yeah um you know it just showed like how how uh far he was running away with that tournament at that point that he was able to just kind of mess around on that hole and it was like whatever the crowd just like come on dude just make the putt just let us go home (laughs) oh when he missed that third one though i was like all right well don't blow it now (laughs) but luckily he did make finally did make the putt and was able to win the tournament so yeah so yeah good for him so, <laughs> Scheffler was the biggest winner of the weekend, but I think it's fair to argue that the second biggest winner was Tiger Woods. Now, I know he did not play well, but he got a lot of love just for finishing 72 holes. Everyone in the crowd was excited to see him, and uh, all the fans like all at home, it, it seemed like he was the biggest story, especially given the fact that it wasn't all that close in the end. Yeah, it was, it was definitely cool to see Tiger back. Obviously, a a great draw for for golf fans or even just casual fans that only tune in for the biggest events. But yeah, it it it's still. I feel like he got a little too much attention, especially when you're not at the top of the leaderboard. When Tiger's all the way at the bottom, even if he makes the cut, it's still like, all right, I I I kind of don't love how much coverage he gets. Part of it it's deserved, of course, just given how much success he's had. Uh, as a golfer, but at the same time, I, I do think he gets a little bit too much attention. But it was his first event back in a whole year. But I don't know. Yeah, there, I mean, there, I'm there back were, and forth. There were times on it. where I, he, no joke. I think it was the Friday second round. Uh, the group before him, Cam Smith and Bryson, they both hit it out of bounds, and they have to get their ball back. And because of that, Tiger his group. Well, it was just Tiger and Joaquin Neiman at that point. They had to wait, and they showed Tiger eating a sandwich. And it's like, 
<laughs> move, m- change it to a different golfer. I don't care about Tiger eating his sandwich right now. Like, show a different guy putting or hitting his drive or whatever. Like, so there were times where the Tiger love was a little bit too much. And I remember uh, another, I don't know if you know Dottie, the the sideline. Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Side I know her person. as Dottie. They kept talking about Dottie her. Dottie Pepper, kept yeah. bringing her up. Uh, she would follow Tiger like on her on on Saturday when like Tiger's like out of the tournament and it's like oh come on she can't follow like one of the leaders like on on the leaderboard like she has to follow Tiger it, this was on thing was on Saturday not Sunday because uh-huh. obviously she was following the last group by then but it was still yeah. I just think that the Tiger love there is were, a little bit too yes, much. Yes, there were that. times where I feel like it was too much, but at the same time, I think the fact that he was playing for the first time in you know. Like fourteen exactly. months after he that hasn't accident. played in so long, and the reason why is because of this horrible accident yeah. that he was in. So, I ca- so, I understand it. Uh, I, I do. <laughs> he's he's always going to draw viewers, and we talk about yeah. it all the time. It's also the twenty fifth anniversary of his first uh, Masters win, his first ever major in nineteen ninety seven. Right. I do think it was uh, really entertaining. I uh, I was scrolling through Twitter on Monday, so this was sometime probably Monday morning, and I got a promoted tweet from the PGA Tour. Uh, so I was looking at PGA Tour Twitter after seeing this, and like all of the tweets about Scotty Scheffler were getting like a few thousand likes. I want to say like seven, eight thousand were like the max. And then there's this one: seventy-two holes complete. Welcome back, Tiger Woods. Twenty-five point eight k likes and count. Wow. Just everyone loves the guy. And did you see Skip Bayless's tweet this morning? I did not, but uh... Tiger Woods won the Masters. Next one, I undisputed, or I guess he did that Monday morning. But I was like, you know, of course, yeah, that'll get people talking. Um, and it, it's, I don't know, not, not the craziest take given how much coverage Tiger got, I, you know, the fact that he played 72 holes, everyone was talking about him. Uh, there were times where Scotty Scheffler winning was an afterthought, but I get it. it it's definitely, <laughs> it, it's some, it's a little bit of an accomplishment to do what he did. It's not the most amazing thing, especially since he didn't play that well, but yeah, I know the not playing back well from part the, takes what he away. Came, you know what's really lame? I don't know if you know Louis Oosthuizen, but he's like one yeah. of the he's a he, giant. He withdrew from the tournament. Yeah, so he's he does this all the time where he with him and Paul Casey, the two of the biggest wusses on tour, just happen to be the two guys that withdrew from this tournament. But yeah, if you're Louis Oosthuizen and you withdraw because you have a, like a, I don't know stiff back or whatever it was, and you're playing with Tiger who just came off a 14-month <laughs> yeah. layoff or whatever from his horrible car accident where he almost had to amputate his leg, and and he, he he's the one that's out there still playing. And, and he's also older, of course. I don't know. I, I just think that's a it's a bad look on Ustazen's part. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather just suck and miss the cut, and and, and I don't know. I, I, th- I, thought, I thought it just looked bad on his part to withdraw when you're in a group with a guy who just had this horrible injury and again like we said last week it was self-inflicted you know it wasn't wasn't your normal uh, I kn- I, sports yeah, injury it, it also adds a little bit of the awkwardness to it and so that i think that was part of why i was like all right like let's understand what we're praising here like what yeah. we're what we're acknowledging that he came back from like let's let's kind of talk about this you know not the not the greatest of situation he put himself in. So. Not the greatest role model. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's still absolutely uh, entertaining, especially since I've said this a lot of times, Tiger really is the 
not the only draw, but outside of him and Phil, it, it, he's he's by far the biggest draw, and that's why someone like Skip Bayless and probably others would agree would say that Tiger won the Masters, even though he someone who doesn't it. talk about golf regularly on their show, like that's yeah. how you talk about it and entertain viewers, is by focusing on Tiger Woods instead of right. a guy that you know most people probably haven't heard of. Yeah, wow. you never you, you literally texted me when Scotty won. <laughs> I th- I think I know who Scotty Scheffler is now, <laughs> and I don't blame you for not knowing who uh-huh. he is because uh, yeah, yes, I mean, he's was... won all these tournaments, but it's like, uh-huh. how would you really know? Like, if it's not yeah, him? I mean, as someone who doesn't follow golf on a week to week basis, it was one of those things where I was like, the name sounds like somewhat familiar, but I'm also like, is that because of Tony Scheffler, what? the tight end? Uh, I just recognize uh, the last name. What's funny is that. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, he got asked, like, hey, how does it feel to be number one player in the world? Like, isn't this amazing for you? It's like, yeah, you know, I'm already humbled by it. One of the groundskeepers accidentally called me Xander Shoffley. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> number one player in the world, and the groundskeeper can't even remember. His yeah, I mean, name when you go it. from first career win to number one player in the world in only like six two weeks, months. Yeah, that's yeah. not a lot of time for people to, like, actually get to know who you are. So, right. <laughs> I guess that's understandable. Yeah, he was a pretty, he was a pretty good player, but. It was a matter of time before he broke out and won, but no, I did not see. It's one of the most incredible rises ever. Just thinking yeah. about that, you know right. what? Where he was, like, literally uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, he gets his first career one, and all of a sudden now he's like the number one golfer in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, side note: I, I I'm rocking my uh, Roberto Clemente Pirates jersey because it's um opening day home opener for the pirates like oh. i know i complained a lot about the state of baseball you know the economics of it both before you're and telling after the me lockout. this <laughs> <laughs> i am so happy that baseball's back now that i've actually been watching it these past few days uh, i i've been very excited uh pirates did lose to the cubs two to one it, it just went final i thought kevin newman was gonna hit a tying home run but he flew out to the warning track down the game really disappointing say suzuki our uh nl rookie of the year pick at two solo shots for the cubs yeah, well, that. my ALMV, ALMVP pick is uh, three for 21 to start the year. <laughs> I don't know if you saw show. Oh, Otani? Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if you saw him trying to revive his bat. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I haven't like, been keeping up a ton with him. He's like trying to perform CPR on his own bat because <laughs> he's struggling. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I don't think it's going to last. I think he's going to turn it yeah, around. Yeah, I'm sure but, fine. You know, obviously a slow start. But yeah, it is a cool jersey, though. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of this jersey. It's my go-to whenever I go to like big like beer festivals and stuff. So that way, um, other people I'm with don't lose me. So I in turn don't lose them because I'm like the one <laughs> guy in a gold jersey just standing out in the crowd. It's either be really tall or wear really bl- bright colors. <laughs> yes, and I'm never going to be the tallest person at any public event. <laughs> um, anyway, just a, a few more golfers I want to talk about. So, um, in my opinion, the coolest moment of the weekend was. Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, back-to-back birdies from the bunker on 18. That was slight cool. hope that Rory was gonna pull this one out. I mean, he obviously needed a huge Scotty Scheffler collapse, but he was incredible on Sunday. And you know, it's really disappointing that he didn't get off to a better start because him shooting a 64 on Sunday should have been enough for him to win that first match at Masters finally. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. He it still is one missing major because he's won the other three majors, but yeah. Uh, tough to do that well on a Sunday and you only lose to you lose to one guy mm-hmm. uh, one guy is the reason why you didn't get the green jacket which which things but yeah it was cool him seeing him shoot a 64 and 
I, I'm sure I've texted you that meme of Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a yeah. chance. Yeah, I mean that, that, that. When he was when he was making that surge on Sunday, that's what that's what I was thinking in my mind is like. So you're telling me Rory has a shot here, even though he was starting the day one over par and Scotty was at, I think it was at nine under. So yeah, I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't realistic even then. Like, um, but it, it still crazy. He didn't shoot yeah. a single bogey in that. Oh, I know. Day. It was it was an awesome round bogey for him. Bogey three round sixty four, and then yeah, and then it was cool to see Morikawa. Hit it. Yeah, just like uh, the right emotions, like of those guys, you know, Rory throwing his club, Morikawa tossing his ball into the crowd. Like they, they both were happy to to go out like that, yeah. and they ended up finishing way higher than they should have because Morikawa is also plus one, and he didn't shoot a sixty four, but I think he shot like a sixty seven or so, and yeah. he ended up finishing, I want to say tied for third or tied for fifth or something. Yeah, Morikawa so. is definitely. Uh, I don't, I don't care what course it is. He can even if he's not the longest guy on tour, he, he can. He's not phased by anything. I'm definitely a fan of his. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both those guys won a lot of money with their performance on Sunday, even if they didn't finish you know, first for the whole tournament. So yeah, um, <laughs> two guys who did not win a ton of money did not have a ton of success this weekend. Uh, our our favorite rivalry in golf, Brooks Kepka and Bryson <laughs> Shambo. So yeah. I don't know if you're yeah. more disappointed by Bryson shooting a plus twelve no, like I, way behind everyone, or Brooks no, he, your pick he's, missing the so, cut. So he's not healthy, but I'm not gonna blame it all. Neither on of them, right? I, th- I, th- well, I mean, Bryson's is definitely a thing. I don't know. I mean, Kepka. Everyone was saying that Kepka was hurt. I was like, I thought he was healthy this time. He's, I thought he was healthy year. too. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Bryson's obvious. Like, he he has like a partially torn labrum. He's he's got hip issues. He's got hand issues to the point where a couple months ago he couldn't even grip the his driver. And so yeah, I'm not surprised that all he missed the cut. But I'm not gonna blame it all on health because. Uh, he if if he were healthy he'd he'd still finish like top thirty or forty and, and shoot way over par or even miss the cut but like on the number like so like Spieth Brooks Xander they 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 missed the cut at like plus six or whatever I yeah, could like plus if Bryson were healthy five. maybe that would have happened he's not shooting plus twelve <laughs> if he were healthy behind sixty three year old Larry Mize we yeah, shot a plus eleven he's losing to fifty yeah or yeah he's losing to seven year olds or whatever uh. yeah so. Yeah, disappointing weekend for them. Uh, hopefully, Bryce can get healthy so he can compete. And I, I don't, I don't know if, he, if 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 there's something seriously wrong where he actually has like a I don't know, but yeah, torn labrum or broken hand or whatever. I, I hope he can just get healthy. If if he does need surgery, I hope he just gets it so he can come back to being healthy. But yeah, I don't know. When it comes to Brooks, if he's if he's not healthy, okay, that's I guess the reason, but maybe he's just not motivated anymore. Like, so he's not motivated to play in these non-majors, but maybe he's just, I could totally see him just not being motivated, period, where he's just like, all right, I've, I've won these majors. I've got my money. I got my super hot wife. Like, like I'm, when it comes to the PJ tour, one thing I don't like about it is that anytime these guys have success, they kind of just stop having it after a certain period of time where, so I like Rory, but he hasn't won a major in eight years. And even though he's won four of them, he hasn't won a major in eight years. And then I don't know if you remember Spieth in 2015, <laughs> yeah. he was dominating everybody. He was everybody. supposed to be the guy. Uh, yeah, he was supposed I mean, to be the next guy. Both of them were supposed to be the next guys. Yeah, but then uh, all of a sudden Spieth, he chokes on this uh, 2016 Masters. And even though he won the Open the year after, outside of that, he hasn't been the same ever since. He's just been just a good or decent golfer, but hasn't really won that much outside of, an event here or there 
And then, and then yeah, like Brooks, yes, he has all this major success, but it's getting to a point where like, all right, well, he hasn't won a major in a few years. Like, maybe is he gonna be like Spieth and Rory, where he just stops winning majors and and that's it? I don't know. And I kind of worry about that with Scotty, where okay, great, he he has all this success now, where he's won four of the last six events. But how and, long can he keep that up? Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like it could be the same thing, where it's just oh, he's the next big thing, and all of a sudden, like, he just. He's just another guy like everyone else, where he, he he wins a major or two majors or whatever, and then that you'll never hear from him again. Yeah, I guess I, that's the one thing I don't like about the PJ Tour is that I wish that's why people love Tiger. Yeah, so I was much, gonna say like it makes majors. you appreciate Every, him. Right? Yeah, and that's why everyone's so drawn to him because of how much success he's had for the longest period of time. Yeah, and, I mean, you do, I guess just thinking to like some of the guys from the olden days, like your Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, like those are guys right. who were. They they were very successful for a very long time, and it is kind of where it's like okay, you get like a new person like every couple of years, and then they kind of and fade then you away never hear and, from him again. Yeah, or and, at least you know ever see them win. Here's the thing: like Rory won a lot of money finishing second place. He doesn't have to win every single major to to make an honest living as a professional yeah, golfer. That, that, so I, yeah, I, I guys, get the concept that these guys don't. Uh, I feel like they don't need to win because of how much money you already get for finishing second or third mm-hmm. or whatever, and so. That's kind of what I, the thing I, even though as much as I pay attention to the PJ Tour, that's one thing I don't like about it is that as much, these guys will have so much success in their early 20s to late 20s and all of a sudden they just fade out and you'll never hear from them again. And again, that's why a lot of people appreciate what Tiger's done for the game. And I'll admit, I wish, I wish guys had more drive to succeed. That's why I like Bryson. I've told that before where I remember when he won his first Remember, I remember after the COVID break, and he was having all this success, and he had built on this muscle, and then he wins the U.S. Open. And he, he gets asked about like, hey, does does what you're doing right now validate uh, your what you're doing after this win? He's like, yeah, and I'm not gonna stop either. I'm gonna try a uh, 40 inch driver. I'm gonna do all these things. He's like, great, this guy gets it. But now it's like now he's fading, and where his is the opposite, where he might care too much because now he's injured everywhere on his body, and it, it probably comes to the point where by the time he's in his 30s he's he's probably just not even going to be able to play anymore. I don't know. So yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I it does seem like a, there's a lot of golfers who are, who are getting injured um a lot these days and it is it is kind of frustrating when you like want to like latch onto a guy and like yeah. have all this high like hope for them. Um and it's one of those things where I just look at Scheffler and I'm like, okay, so what happens when he stops winning all these tournaments? Is he just gonna be irrelevant? He'll just be like, Oh yeah, remember that Yeah, two, remember that Scotty Scheffler guy? Uh, yeah, yeah remember, remember Scotty uh back in uh that year? Remember when he won the green jacket and had uh-huh. all these wins? Like remember that guy? Like, no. <laughs> 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 we'll forget about him years later. So I guess that's the thing the the thing I don't like about, even though he seems like a nice dude, is definitely really good. I guess that's my one issue of him winning is that I don't know. Like, do you really care it's about too early him to winning? Give up. That? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, yeah. It's like you want to see haven't... guys like Rom or Rory mm-hmm. or uh, other names, Bryson, whether it's the root for him or against him or whatever. Like, they're you want to see other names? I feel like at the top of the leaderboard, I know, I know Rory Morikawa. Uh, eventually, at the end, got to the top of the board. I feel like, for the most most of this weekend, it was really just Scotty Scheffler, and then okay, Cam Smith on Saturday, and then parts of Sunday. But like, I don't know. I feel like the leaderboard wasn't as 
eventful as it. Well, because Scheffler is just running away with the tournament. That too. That's that's definitely part of it. There wasn't you know a ton how, of drama. You know how uh, we when we did top five weeks, and I put uh, NCA tournament and then Masters as like two of my favorite weeks. Uh-huh. I, I will. I feel like when it comes to the Masters, as much as I love uh, paying attention to the PJ Tour, I feel like the Masters does disappoint at times, where it's just not as great. Outside of that Tiger year where he won a few years ago, and then I don't know if you remember in seventeen when Sergio won his Green Jacket. Uh, him and Rose were going back and forth. That was a good Masters, but I feel like most of the past few Masters have been kind of just uneventful whatever. at the end. Well, yeah. the NCAA tournament is amazing every <laughs> all the time, every yep. year, <laughs> every year. Um, so I'll admit, even though it was cool, like good for Scotty, at the same time, it wasn't that eventful because he was so far ahead, and it's like no one really knows who he is. Mm-hmm. I know, and it's it's tough to just sit there like rooting against a golfer, um, just to be slightly more entertained. Oh, that I I was I was kind of doing that until it got to the point where it's like, all right, well, this is this would be really bad. Part of me was like, (laughs) part of me was kind of like rooting on for Cam Smith. Like, come on, like make it Uh interesting, and then all of a sudden he chokes it away. It's just yeah, just like all right, yeah. I'm just gonna change it, change the channel back to. something else until scotty's on 18 so i can watch the celebration that's it yeah and that that's not a bad approach with it yeah all right so it's enough golf for now we'll talk about the uh pga championship <laughs> yeah, i got a lot off my chest there <laughs> <laughs> for now let's talk about the nba playoffs and the playing tournament is officially underway uh the the nets and the Cavs like should have tipped off by now yep they are in the first quarter at this point uh we'll talk about that you know we'll talk about those games kind of give our thoughts on those but before we talk about the teams in the playing tournament the teams who already clinched a playoff spot let's talk about one notable team who will definitely not be going to the playoffs this weekend or like this season uh, regardless of what happens this week and that is the los angeles lakers and what a what a disappointing season for that team second best title odds best in the west and you finish 11th in the conference so you got three you got three guys that are making over 40 million a year and you can't even make the playing tournament i don't care if they got injured i know andy davis missed some time but yeah lebron missed time with injuries as well russell westbrook probably would have been better off missing time with injury <laughs> yeah didn't they say he need to get his eyes checked <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, they. I heard that rumor. Thirty-three and forty-nine this season. So they fired Frank Vogel on Monday. Do you think you know, he deserves a lot of this team's blame, or is he more scapegoated than this? He's a scapegoat. <laughs> he. It doesn't matter who was in that seat. It's a scapegoat. Uh, yeah, let's blame on the coach. But the coach doesn't really have. I don't want to say every team, but most mostly high majority of NBA teams, the coach doesn't really make a difference at least i don't feel like so i know a lot of uh, lakers fans complained about vogel's rotations and i i understand firing a coach after this season even if he just got them that bubble championship a couple years ago but rob Polinka and lebron like for the, this team they constructed to me like they didn't do frank vogel any favors and i think that the uh the hot seat on Polinka should be um you know much much warmer than it seemingly is right now. I don't know if the Lakers are going to be looking to move on from him, but I think that this is a very poorly constructed roster. Just a lot of old guys. Crazy to think that the Lakers went with Russell Westbrook over DeMar DeRozan or even Buddy Heald. Uh, They'd be in such a better position right now. And 
I was convinced. Well, Buddy that... Hill's not in that group, but no, DeRoz- but DeRozan. his shooting would have been De- much better than Westbrook's shooting. I think DeRozan... I got something they could have used. DeRozan, he was an MVP candidate. De- this yeah, year, DeRozan so. definitely would have. They but... would probably be the one seed in the West, or you know, way up there. I don't know if they'd be at Phoenix's level, but they would be way, way higher than eleventh if they had DeRozan instead of Westbrook. Yeah, it's just, it's just not the greatest fit, just because LeBron and Westbrook, they're they play at their best when. They they have the ball in their they're hands. ball dominant players. Yeah, yes. like, Westbrook is not exactly a uh, a spot up shooter or needs to get open. <laughs> he's he's yeah. a point guard who needs the ball in his hands to succeed. Uh, and so yeah, it's just not the greatest fit. And you definitely were not high on the Lakers. No, part but wants, one thing I part said me wants was to give you part of me wants to give you credit for it, but at the same time, I feel like part of it's also just because you hate. LeBron. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of the Lakers. I'm not a fan of LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, um, you know, all three of those guys. But I mean, I, I I thought that this was a bad roster. I thought they were way too old. Like they, you know, it was just like a bunch yeah, of guys thought, on veteran minimums. And yeah, the, but one thing I said before the season was either the fit is going to be better than I think, or it's going to be as bad as I think. But they're going to make moves at the deadline to fix a team, and they did nothing at the yeah, trade they deadline. Did nothing. They just—it right. was basically just, "Hey, LeBron, you wanted this. There you go. Deal with it." And then in the second half, credit to him—he went off. He—he he was like the leading scorer. Uh, I don't think he played enough games to qualify for the scoring title, but he does incredible. You know, the team went like five and twenty or something ridiculous during that stretch. But he played great basketball. The rest of his team did not. It was just a really bad roster. And yeah, if you're if you're going to play, I don't LeBron, know where they go from it's, here. It's for the. The GM LeBron, not the player LeBron. No, well, I feel definitely like LeBron, not the player LeBron. <laughs> no, the player LeBron, like, he was a MVP candidate this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume he doesn't have any chance, given that the Lakers are so terrible and there are other guys who are way more deserving because they were good players on good teams. But, no, he had a fantastic season um, as a player. Maybe not as <laughs> as a GM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, uh, I, I'm Either way, I'm still shocked that they didn't even didn't make even make the play, play in tournament. That that's that's the part that surprised me. Like, all right, if you want to talk about their age and the fit, uh, and you want to question their championship chances, oh, that's totally yeah. I mean, that that was what I questioned. But, I thought they still be like a five or a six seed, but <laughs> eleven seed, no chance. In uh, hell did I think that would happen? No. So, yeah, super disappointing year. I'd imagine not only so they already fired Vogel, but. I could totally see Westbrook not being there next year. Well, the, I think the issue with Westbrook time, is how, who who's going to trade on, for him. Exactly. That's what, that's, that's what I was about to say. Like, who the heck would take on that contract, though? I guess is yeah. The, Shams has a rumor that the Pacers would trade Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook, and I'm like, why would they do that? You know, I guess I guess they are in a rebuilding state. I'm pretty sure Brogdon and Heald both have a couple years left on their contract versus Westbrook, who would be an expiring free agent. But they'd have to get first round picks, and Lakers don't have first round picks to trade. Right, like, yeah, they're, I mean, they they they're all going to New Orleans or you know whoever else. That, that move would help. Trades. That move would help the Lakers, but I, I don't know how it would help them a ton. Yeah, I don't know how that how that would. I don't know. It just seems crazy to think that a team would just let them off the hook uh, without you know some kind of significant asset coming back to them. And I don't know what they can give up. I mean, the Pelicans are probably going to get a top ten pick from them this year, and. It feels like they have to move Anthony Davis if they want to do anything. I don't yeah, know how they can he, run back he, this roster. He had a bad. And I know. I know he was he injured. Can't stay healthy. Times, but, but he, yeah, he. The one time healthy. he stayed healthy was when uh, COVID gave him a four month off season in the middle of the the season. And he was able to come back and just no travel playing in that Orlando bubble, and it worked out great. It was a great you de- situation. For you the definitely Lakers. don't give any 
really any credit to the Lakers for that ring, or at least I more. mean, I don't. But, get, I, I give no, less but, than no, most. But, how about but that? But now <laughs> I'll admit, after seeing how this year went, and especially with Davis's health, I'll admit I'm starting to question. Like, huh? If it were a normal right? year, would Anthony Davis have been able to play in the playoffs? Uh, and, and then play it the way he did, like he did in the bubble. He was like, incredible. Now, and that, now I'm starting to question that. Like, he wow. still has a lot of value. He's a really yeah. good player. I think that there's some teams who would be willing to part with some some solid assets to take a chance on him, just knowing that he's an MVP candidate when he's healthy. But the problem is he's never healthy. So, no. yeah, the, the Lakers are seemingly in tough shape. It would take a crazy offseason for them to start this thing around. And it's also fair to question how much longer LeBron's going to want to put up with this in L.A. Uh, versus, Especially you know, with his son coming up at some point, whatever, yeah. whatever year that is. I think it's still a couple of years away. 2024, I want to say. So, But he says he wants to play with his son. So uh-huh. whoever, if, if He's uh, set to be a free agent. Like it, it, it lines up that he can go wherever. So, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely something to watch. But it's enough about that garbage basketball team. Let's talk about some teams <laughs> that are actually good enough to still have a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, although one team in the East that did make the play-in tournament that yeah, nobody Cavs. thought would be there. The, yes. the ca- His old team made the play-in tournament, <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, something to think about. So I think that the Cavs, the Hawks, and the Hornets are all teams that you're like, eh, they all had a chance to be somewhat relevant. You know, the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. The Hornets were in the play-in tournament. Oh, the Cavs yeah. made a lot of strong moves. The fourth team that's in the play-in tournament is a surprise for the wrong reason, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And, um, you know, they're off to a, an early 25-16 to 16 lead right now. We'll I continue don't... to keep updated on that. But it is it is you, disappointing you... that they're in this spot. You were asking me the other day, like, "Hey, you want to record on Monday so we could, uh, so so we, you know, we could do it before the playing games?" Like, Brooklyn's gonna win anyway. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care. It's just, I'm, yeah. So I thought I'd mention that. Just like, <laughs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn is gonna win, <laughs> and they're gonna play the Celtics, which sucks. Yeah, I, I. So I'm not as afraid of the Nets. Uh, I don't know if I'm just not being realistic enough but if i mean the, the nets it's tough to look at them and like really understand who they are as a basketball team because Kyrie irving wasn't able to play most of the season i mean he, he couldn't play home games for the longest time mm-hmm. and ben simmons hasn't played for them like is yeah, he that, gonna come that, back in the playoffs like that, he's such a, a crucial aspect where if he could be plugged in then the nets all of a sudden i'm gonna take him seriously again as a title contender and while i do think that they can pull off a first round victory in an upset after surviving the play in tournament, it's like it's hard for me to look at the Nets the same way I did back in October, November, December. So Yeah, I don't I don't know what to think of the Nets either, because they could easily lose in the first round to Boston, assuming they win this game. <laughs> yeah, Boston or Miami. You know, either right. of those teams. Yeah, I they could easily lose in the first round or they have they could go they all the win. way, honestly. They yeah. could, yeah. They, they could have go the widest range of possibilities. Run. But yeah, uh-huh. I don't know what to think of them either because with Kyrie and he's always a head case, but now New York, the state of New York, you can play in. He, he can play. Yeah, home he can games play. Now. He can play home games. So you yes, can play home games now. Crucial. So that is resolved. But yeah, for them to win a championship, as much as I hate Ben Simmons, I actually think he's he's a good he's good on the defensive end of the floor, and Brooklyn needs that because mm-hmm. they're they're awful defensively. Now I think part of it is so people are talking a lot about how poor they are defensively, and I get it. Part of me also thinks, uh, in the regular season, they don't try their best, but when it's in the playoffs, I like. 
part of me thinks like, all right, well, this is the time they're really going to ramp ramp it up, and they're actually going to play. Yeah, harder, defense picks up a ton in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, so part of me thinks that that part of their team is it's getting overblown, like how bad defensively they are. I I, I think part. I'm not saying they're this elite defensive team like Boston, but I think part of it is just it's the regular season and the effort ramps up when they're in the postseason. And so that that worries me because offensively, they're by by one of the best teams in the uh, offensive mm-hmm. teams in the league, uh, especially with Durant and Ky- when you have two. Yeah, I mean Durant like and Kyrie, that. they can both go off for fifty on any given night. Yeah. So that that's like such a huge weapon to have just one of those players, and they have two. But I, yeah, you still gotta stop the other team from scoring points. They both had those crazy scoring nights and still lost games. So so part of me kind of. Doesn't love that the Celtics took the approach of getting the two seed because even if they, so if they, assuming they play Brooklyn, if even if they play Brooklyn and so I, I do want to get they, into the Celtics oh, okay, path. Sorry, let's let's sorry. keep focused on the playing game real quickly. I have a few more things, but I I do want to jump into that. Mm-hmm. So I think that we both agree that of all eight teams to qualify for the play in tournament, the Nets would be the most disappointing to somehow miss the playoffs entirely. Yeah, obviously, it's yeah, not even so. Debatable. Not even debatable. I mean, just given that they had the the, had the number one odds, uh, championship odds heading into the season, you know, obviously things changed with, uh, you know, the Kyrie vaccine stuff, James Harden trade, but still would be really horrible, especially knowing they'd be playing two home games and have to lose both of them. After the Nets, who, in your opinion, would be the, I guess, second most disappointing team to not end up making the... Uh, the 16 team playoff field after this are, week. Are we so we're we're including both the both the east and the west. Yeah. Both the east and the west. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean I mean it's probably dumb to say right now but like Atlanta was in the east finals last year. They and, were, yeah. And then now they're not even they're in the play-in tournament but they're not yeah, they're even the ninth the eight, seed. They're the ninth seed, which is crazy. Uh-huh. Um so they so got to win probably twice. Would, so I probably go with them. I don't know. Minnesota's had a good year. With with Edward and they have Edwards and Towns, so I guess it's one of those two teams because I feel like okay, I'm between both the, of them. I was gonna yeah, the, make the, the argument for whichever one you didn't choose. The, the Clippers, like what? They don't even have Kawhi right now, and then uh-huh. and then the Pelicans, they don't even have Zion. The, the Spurs, yeah, Brandon Ingram. Is in, I mean, the Spurs didn't <laughs> Spurs try to make the playoffs. <laughs> They're like uh, LeBron. Like, why are we here? Pop is like he wanted to be on vacation. Um, he's he's got to play tomorrow night. But it, the Pelicans, and, I, and, and I don't know if Brandon Ingram's gonna play. Uh, but and yeah, then the Hornets are. We're ex- I expected them to be a, like a playing tournament team, like seven through ten seed. I don't know which one, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's either Minnesota or Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, like if you like go back to October before it started, I think Atlanta has to be the answer because, like you said, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. You know, they beat the Sixers. They 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 put up a fight against the Bucks. It seemed like they were in really good shape moving forward, and they definitely took a step backwards. Trey Young's still phenomenal. Just the rest of the team around him has not uh, been as as solid as they were last year. Yeah, but if you John look at Collins is a little overrated. Maybe. Yeah, I mean they they have a lot of like noteworthy guys on that team. It's just uh, you know they they didn't have the same kind of success this year. Uh, but if you look at just starting from right now, I think Minnesota's a fair answer. They're forty six and thirty six. Like they easily had the the best record in the West of those four playing teams. It would be one thing for them to lose to the Clippers, who I think are still a good team, even without Kawhi Leonard. But then losing two home games to either New Orleans or San Antonio, who the Pelicans are a much better team 
with CJ McCollum, like post trade deadline, they've been one of the better teams in the league. But it would still be a very big disappointment, especially given how great Anthony Edwards has been. Carl Anthony Towns probably the best season of his career. Timberwolves to me would be like a legitimate threat to Memphis if they win this game tonight against the Clippers and grab that seven seed. So them missing entirely would probably be the the biggest disappointment at this point because it feels like they're a team that could actually make some noise compared to those yeah, other teams. Yeah, how long? I don't I don't I don't know what Towns' contract is, but okay, he's been in the league now for what uh, four five five years now? I think maybe even more. More? I think it was twenty fifteen draft. Yeah, I mean he's definitely on his so, second. So he's contract. been so six six years. It's forty uh, to least. twenty nets after the first quarter. So yeah, it's over. Uh, I I honestly was I was like maybe Cleveland has a shot. I. Yeah, I will see if that changes by the time we're done recording. But <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's over. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Like, think about that game. It's over. <laughs> so, Carl Anthony Towns is a unrestricted free agent in 2024. So, okay. yeah, I guess I, I was mean, just it, wondering because all right, he's been there now for six plus years. He's had trade rumors for a while. And it's just that he's one of the best big men in the league, and it's like Minnesota's kind of a whatever destination. Hey, KG left, and, and he won a ring immediately after he left. And so, I don't know, like how long does how long does Carl Anthony want to be there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, they have to be a consistent winner, you know, keep him happy, which, I mean, they've tried to do that. D'Angelo Russell, they're, they're good friends. Um, you know, I always forget and that Anth- he's there. And then Anthony but. Edwards is... He's, he's awesome. He's definitely uh-huh. great. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, that would be another reason where it's like they can't even make the playoffs. Like that would be uh that'd be a huge disappointment for the Timberwolves. Yeah. Especially I mean, a few years ago, they had Jimmy Butler, they they made the playoffs as the eight seed, like things were looking good and that blew up so quickly to start the next year. Butler's traded to Philly, Thibodeau's fired, and then Minnesota's back to the bottom of the West. So um definitely would be disappointing for them to miss out at this point. But I, I do think they're gonna they're gonna pull it out. I think they're gonna somehow make it into the playoff field so with that let's resume the celtics you're saying yes even if the celtics were to beat the nets which i i think that the celtics should be favored against the Nets. it might be a six seven game series but i do believe the celtics um just the way they're playing right now they should beat brooklyn now obviously the nets playoff time could be totally different than what i saw this regular season that made me give up on them but let's just say yes the celtics survived the nets how do you feel about the path from there? Well, they would face Milwaukee, which is, I think, <laughs> yeah. the, I think probably even worse. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's what worries me about them taking this path of getting the two seed and, and they get Brooklyn and likely Milwaukee if they were to beat Brooklyn, which I don't love because if they didn't win, they would have been able to get the the four seed and they would have faced Toronto. Now that would have sound yeah. on paper. That would have been nice, but Jalen Brown and Al Horford might not even be vaccinated. Which I know is a that's, problem. that's an interesting thing where it's like, so part- I, it's one of those we'll probably never know. Right. Um, you know, the, I, I think the Celtics and Raptors would have to meet in the Eastern conference finals feels like a stretch that Toronto would make it that far. But, uh, that would have been an interesting scenario, which would have in theory been worse. It if you don't have two of your key pa- starters for three games. Because them winning versus Memphis, they're taking the approach of at least people think are taking the approach of oh well we'll we'll take on anybody we don't care who it is like we want to play our best and part of me thinks that's the right mindset but what if it was just hey oh crap we if we lose we have to play Toronto oh we have to win this game now because we we have to get vaccinated yeah, right. if if we lose this game like so <laughs> part of me is worried about that if like okay 
people think they have the right mindset of like, oh, we want to, we'll take on anybody. We don't care who it is. But what if it was really just to dodge getting vaccinated? Like, I would hate that. So, whatever. We like you said, we won't even probably won't ever know. But yeah, so they're taking the approach of great. We have to face two of the best teams in the East, uh, in mm-hmm. in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And yeah, so- <laughs> coming into the season, my bold prediction for the East was that the Bulls would make it to the second round. And for the first few months, that looked like a pretty good take. Oh, yeah. I, and I, then, was, I, I was on board with that after, like, the first... Yeah, I mean, DeRozan was awesome. Like, DeRozan Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso were great. an MVP candidate. Like, I yeah. don't know at first, but he was up there for sure. But Ball and Caruso both got injured, and it, the season just fell off the rails. And it's interesting because Caruso got hurt on a cheap shot by, by Grayson, Grayson Allen, Allen of yeah. the Bucks, And then... From there, they played three more times, and I don't think it was close in any of the games. I'm pretty sure the Bucks blew them out every time. So um, <laughs> it would be a bit of a surprise if Milwaukee doesn't win this in four or five games. You know, maybe DeRozan goes off one night, Giannis gets in a foul trouble, and the Bulls steal one at home. But it's uh, it does feel inevitable that Milwaukee is going to move on, and they'll be facing either the Celtics or the Nets in the second round. Which I mean that to me, could be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup and we're getting it in the Conference Semis. Kind of like last year when Brooklyn played Milwaukee in the Conference Semis. Do you think that was smart on Milwaukee's part to lose that game versus Cleveland where they are just playing all their scrub players? and To get the so three you, seed instead so, of the Yeah, two. so they get the three seed and they get the easier path, but I don't know, karma doing that kind of I stuff? Mean, like, doesn't it come back to bite you? If maybe, it, if you do, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible, and that could be an interesting storyline if they have to play Game 7 in Boston in the second round. Um, I thought for sure that the Bucs got the two-seed when they beat the Celtics. When they beat the Celtics, yeah. I I was was shocked that, you know, it it turned otherwise. You know, I I wasn't keeping up too closely, I guess, with the the last couple games of the season. But, that I mean, yes, that that would be an interesting storyline. When it comes down to it, I... I really like the Bucks' chances. I still think they're the best team in the East. Part of that is just too. because I don't believe in the Miami Heat, and you know the Sixers are a team that I'll never fully I, trust I in take, the playoffs. I take, I take Miami more seriously than you. I'll admit I've bought into the even though they don't have any real, really true superstars. I think they. I mean Jimmy Butler to an they, extent, but yeah, didn't they, he get in a fight with Eric Spolstra? Is that like a thing to still be worried that about? That was that was yeah that was one game where. Yeah, they got into like a month exchange. ago now, but yeah, but it's still, I don't know. Like it was just heat exchange. Jimmy Butler is obviously someone who cares, wants to win, and yeah, Eric Spoelstra. He seems like an even keel guy, kind of like Brad Stevens, but all of a sudden he's losing his mind uh, on the bench with Jimmy. And yeah, I, uh-huh. I still take Miami more seriously than you. But oh, Philly, yeah, get the hell out of here with Philly. No. <laughs> I, I know I, James Harden and I, does not have the, the combination best of track Philly record. and James Harden. Like, forget it. No, uh, I, I don't know. If this is going looking too far ahead, but uh, Philly, Toronto, give me the upset. You like the Raptors? Yeah, give me the Raptors. No Seibel. So that too, yeah, because he couldn't well, get fully fully vaccinated. He got yes. he got one shot. He didn't. Yeah, get he's only partially fully vaccinated. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I. I don't know. Um, it's tough for me to like fully believe in the Raptors. It does feel like they overachieved this year, but it's not uh, even a believing uh, believe in the Raptors. Just it's just a disbelief in, in the Sixers. Uh, yeah. Hey, Nick Nurse is a championship winning coach. I guess oh, Doc yeah. Rivers is too, but former coach of the year too. <laughs> <laughs> Potential future Lakers coach. Either of them loser goes to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those probably are two of the top candidates. The Lakers job, are supposedly so. interested in both those guys a lot. So. so. 
And that would be interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on the West? Um, let's see. For so, the- I mean, Golden State-Denver, that's a really intriguing first-round matchup. I think that might be the most intriguing to me because both of us were really high on the Warriors coming to the season, believing that they would be fully healthy, and they just haven't been all year long. They were still no. the three-seed in the West. But Steph Curry unclear what his status is i don't think jamal murray's playing at this point i'm kind of surprised that he hasn't come back from his torn acl yet i haven't heard any news on him but nicole Jokic is he's still a yeah, he's still the man he's and he could awesome. definitely be an x-factor in the series especially if steph can't play um clay thompson did go off for 41 in the final game of the season so he is riding a little bit of momentum heading into the playoffs but that's the series that i'm really excited to see how it turns out and i do think golden state will still pull it out but I would not be shocked at all if, if uh, Denver sends them home unceremoniously in the first round. Kind of like the Brooklyn, uh, inevitable uh, Brooklyn-Boston series. Part of me doesn't want to predict this because there's another factor where it's like, all right, well, is this guy, so Curry, is mm-hmm. he going to be cleared to play? And then, yeah, and Clay, he's still he's still rusty, but he's definitely playing better now. And then Draymond's finally back. It was, I was, it was mind-boggling to hear that... Uh, when they were on the court together, all three of them, it was like the first time in like three years. Like it was game six oh, of yeah. the finals uh, versus uh, Toronto. It's like, wow, like it's been that long uh, since they were all on the court together. So I feel like if they're all on the court together, I still like Golden State, but it, it's, it's, hard to get, it's hard to look past the fact that they have had their struggles this year. Now, they're, they're the three seed. They're, they're still really good, but they mm-hmm. have had their moments of like, wow, is this – is this the same Warriors team? I don't know. Yeah, right. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to health. Uh, they've had a lot of other guys step up at times, but uh, they're, they're a team where it's kind of like the Nets, where it's like, what are we really getting? I mean, I would not be surprised if we end up with the Nets Warriors finals because those two teams just, you know, they, and they then have we wouldn't be surprised the talent if, on paper all on the roster. On but the we floor. also wouldn't be surprised if the other Dude. team wins because yes. Both the Celtics the have had a, a really amazing success the past couple of yep. months a lot then, more continuity and then Jokic is <laughs> again uh, gonna be another mvp winner uh-huh. so yeah it's it's tough it's tough to predict uh both these matchups and 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 then and then further on because like we said if if golden state and brooklyn if they win they have the potential to win it all yeah, for sure. But they could so, especially as they get healthier in theory as it goes on. But they could also, you know, fall apart just uh, given the health issues they've dealt with all season. I like this about the NBA, or because the NBA is it's never this way. It's always oh, Golden State, Cleveland, and then yep, Golden State wins. Always the top two teams. It's yeah. Always the top two, and then and then Golden State just runs over everybody. Like I hate, I hated the that era, <laughs> even though it was just like what five years ago or whatever. Like I hated it. But now we actually have unpredictable matchups in the first round. So mm-hmm. I. I it, I, I, I love it. It does great. feel way more wide open than ever. Uh, Dallas-Utah is another interesting one. Luka yeah. Doncic getting hurt the last game of the season, that strained left calf. like that. That's a really tough look for that Mavericks team because they, they were really good this year. I did not believe in Jason Kidd and that team, and they exceeded expectations, and it seems like they'd have a solid matchup in the first round, but if, if Luka can't play and he's not 100%, then... Um, you know, that becomes uh, a lot more favorable for Utah, who might be under more pressure than most teams, just given that all the trade rumors surrounding Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert with uh, some of the recent lack of success they've had in the playoffs. It's kind of like the Raptors from a few years ago where, OK, they, it's like another year of making the playoffs and then losing the playoffs and then and on and on and on with Lowry and DeRozan. Mm-hmm. And at some point they made a trade for Kawhi and then they yeah. won. And, and that's 
I feel like at some point with Utah, it's like, all right, like they they, they have, have a, to do they have something. a safe floor, but they, what's their ceiling? It's making uh, the playoffs and then losing in the. I mean, first they were the one second. seed last year. And yeah, they lose and in they, the second round. Yeah, and they lost in the second round. Great. Blew a three to one lead to Denver in the bubble the year before. So it's it's just that at some point, if 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 this keeps happening, especially in a market like Utah, it's like mm-hmm. at some point, I, I yeah, the Mitchell rumors. I feel like they're believable because at some point. It, it's not going to work. He's not going to want to stay in Utah forever no. if he doesn't have a shot to win a championship. Exactly. Um, yeah, and hey, Danny Ainge is calling the shots there. We know he loves trading. So. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see. That's another one to watch. When it comes down to it, I'm really high on the Phoenix Suns. They were oh, incredible yeah. this year. It's hard not to pick them to come out of the West, at least at this time. You know, We'll see how things change as you know other teams show their true colors in the playoffs. But uh, to me, they're, they're my pick to win it all. Oh yeah, I'm, if if it's Suns, <laughs> if it's Suns Nets, uh, if you thought I was a Suns fan last year, watch out this year. I'm gonna get, <laughs> I'm gonna get, dress up in bright orange <laughs> if it's Suns versus Nets. <laughs> nice, yeah. All right, hey, if it's Suns versus Celtics, that no, could be screw a that. Tough one. <laughs> like, yeah, like total bandwagon with the Suns. Like, yeah, f that. Uh, Obviously, I'd root for the Celtics. Big yeah, time. I, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if it's Suns, t- Nets, tough one to lose. <laughs> if it's Suns Bucks, it's like I'll just I'll, I'll it'll just be an enjoyable series. I'll yep, definitely be happy like for Giannis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like just because Giannis is the he's awesome. Uh, even if even though he's not an MVP this year, like he's he's still one of the best players in the league, and I love his dad jokes at the end of games and uh, yeah. <laughs> just super likable guy. I, I, yeah. So I'd be he's if it awesome. Suns Bucks again, I'd be like whatever. Like whoever wins, like I'll be happy for them and. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Suns Nets, like yeah, screw screw that. Like I'm, I'll be in full orange for that. All right, so we'll definitely be talking a lot more about the NBA playoffs as some more of this action unfolds. Game starting this weekend, um, you know, should be fun. Definitely an exciting time of the year. But with that, let's get ready to wrap up this show with our top five. And this Sunday is Easter, one of the big traditions on Easter Sunday, especially for children, is to do an Easter egg hunt. Now, back in, I want to say 1975, the cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show did an Easter egg hunt before starting filming. And apparently, some of the eggs were hidden a little too well and made their way on screen uh, for the actual movie. So this is one of the origins for the idea of an Easter egg in a film, some kind of hidden thing placed by the director uh, that you know people kind of look for or whatever. It's like, oh, did you notice this? Probably not. Cameos, lots of stuff like that. Um, our friends at Affable Chat do a good job of pointing out Easter eggs in the movies they review. So we thought, given the holiday, let's count down our favorite Easter eggs in films in this week's Top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so Brian, why don't you get us started with your number five Easter egg? Yeah, so before I get to my list, I just want to point out, so you remember when we did top five Halloween candies and and Ben did all Snickers, one mm-hmm. five to one, he did all Snickers, just, just a little bit of difference in his list. So my list is all Pixar movies. It's given away. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's all related to Pixar. And the reason why I picked all Pixar is because one, I enjoy Pixar movies, but 
to uh, Pixar, they do a lot of Easter egg stuff. Like they yeah, do hundreds Disney of Disney in general. Like Pixar. I got five things on my list. I'm gonna miss so hundreds, many more, uh-huh. hundreds more. So I mean, Disney has their own subgenre with the whole hidden Mickey concept. So right. it's uh, super easy to pick some from here. And then another reason why. So you just talked about how Ben and and Joey and Apple chat. Like they do a lot of stuff where they pick out Easter eggs in movies. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I suck when it comes to pointing out <laughs> easter eggs in movies yeah but same. in pixar movies i actually do notice a lot of stuff i'm like hey that's so and so from this movie or or whatever and i actually i do pick up on it's the one <laughs> pixar is the one time where i'll actually pick up on easter eggs uh, interesting in so that's yeah. why i decided to do one five through one i'm doing all pixar stuff and so for my number five i went with Doug's cameo in Ratatouille. And if you don't know who Doug is, he's the dog in the movie Up. And obviously Up is one of my favorite Pixar movies. And even though it wasn't in my top five, I I actually left it out because our lists were too similar and mine would have been number five for Ratatouille. And so uh, I don't know if you remember, but there was a time in the movie where Remy, he was like, he was lost uh, in the city and he was in someone's house at one point in the movie and all of a sudden there's a dog out of nowhere that just sees him and just starts barking at him and you can't see the dog but you can see the just shadow like a silhouette yep. you, yeah you shadow. can see the, uh-huh. the shadow and it, you could clearly tell that it's Doug from the movie up and i thought that was a really cool easter egg that was yeah and i don't think movie. i noticed it when i watched ratatouille a few months ago but what's interesting is up came out after ratatouille see that's the <laughs> thing with pixar is that They'll actually put in some Easter eggs to to give a hint on an upcoming Pixar movie. Yeah, just a nice and like foreshadowing. Ratatouille came out, I think it was oh two thousand seven, uh-huh. and Up came out in two thousand nine, and so that was yep. kind of a hint, like, hey, this is who's this is be. what's what's doing next. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Um, and, and of course, yeah. when I first watched Ratatouille, like, I'm not gonna. Yeah, you have that. no idea because I mean exactly. that movie doesn't. Exist but I remember yet. watching Ratatouille the other day about a week or two ago i remember that scene i'm like hey that was doug and like i thought that was one of the cool uh one of my one of the coolest uh easter eggs uh, throughout pixar again hundreds of ones that i'm gonna miss <laughs> but that i thought that was one of the cool ones uh, <laughs> all right so for not my number five this one is from the movie jurassic world and I saw a lot of movies in summer 2015 in theaters. Uh, just something that always sticks to me. I've never been a big movie theater guy. I haven't seen a movie in theater since Joker before the pandemic. I don't know the next time we'll be back in the movie theater. But that summer, I saw a lot of movies. And I'm pointing that out because of the movies I saw that summer, Jurassic World was my least favorite. So not a huge fan of this movie. I but think we watched I, this together. Uh, I, did we? I, we might I, have. I think so. I know I watched it with... So a couple of our friends that we know, but I yeah. I don't know if I don't remember if I, you were there. I, I know think it was during the summer. Separately. I know it was during. Yeah, I mean well, it, it came it out. In, it came out in, in the June. summer. So uh-huh. It came out in June. I, so was that Cinemagic? Do you remember? If uh, probably. Yeah. Like so maybe one... maybe we did see it together. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Uh-huh. I, I that was like the last time I've been to Cinemagic. So yeah, I mean that it was probably one of the last times I was there as well. Anyway, uh, even though I didn't necessarily love the movie. I do love one of the actors who made a cameo, and that is Jimmy Buffett. So there is a scene somewhat early in the movie when, you know, all hell breaks loose, the dinosaurs escape, whatever. A ton of pterodactyls start attacking people. 
and you can see a close up of like as everyone is running away, some guy with two margaritas in his hands. And that's fitting. That's Jimmy Buffett, you know, in Margaritaville is uh, like you see like in the background, the logo for it. So that's what it was supposed to be. I think it was filmed at the Margaritaville in Orlando. Um, you know, I want to say Jurassic World is like Costa Rica or somewhere um, in the Caribbean. But yeah, so I'm a big fan of Jimmy Buffett. I'm actually seeing him in concert for the first time um, next weekend in Raleigh. Very excited for that. So I thought it was also another fitting reason to get him in here as my number five. <laughs> I was just I was just looking at the picture right now. That's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Is he and the, I actually knew that going into the movie because I saw like people talking about it. Someone's like, "Yeah, that's Jimmy Buffett." So, is he is he the songwriter that uh, does Cheeseburger? In yes, Paradise? he does Cheeseburger yeah. in Paradise. Yeah. I like that song. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's a cool choice. Uh, so for my number four, again, another Pixar cameo. It's Lotso in the movie Up. So, like I said, where uh, Doug was in the movie Ratatouille for no. To give you the hint for the upcoming movie Up, Lotso was in the movie Up at one point. To give you the hint for Toy Story three, and it was this, I don't know if you remember the movie that well, but it was a scene where uh, where Carl he he releases all the balloons from the house and he starts floating away, and then you could see a a point in the movie where uh, it's passing the city, and then in one of the rooms you see the house floating up and up. Uh, with the balloons, and in the bedroom, it shows Lotso in the corner of the of the bedroom. Uh, you can't really see it because it wasn't a lot of lighting, and of course, it's not the the main focus. Yeah, they're they're hiding see, him in there. Yeah, but you could see Lotso in the corner uh, of the room uh, in that scene, and I thought it was a cool cameo because, or a cool Easter egg because, of course, Lotso was in Toy Story three, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. definitely enjoyed that. First time you see it, you wouldn't think twice about it, but exactly then, yeah, Toy Story 3 comes out a year later. Exactly, just like the one with Doug and Ratatouille, where first time you see it, yeah, like I don't don't even think about it whatsoever, but then all of a sudden when you watch it years later, especially after watching Toy Story 3, it's like, hey, that's Lotso right <laughs> there. Uh-huh. So basically a similar story with uh, my number five, but a uh, different movie for four. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, like I said, Disney does a lot of this. It's not just their Pixar films. Um, their regular animated Disney films have lots of Easter eggs in them. And my number four features two of my favorite, uh, movies from Disney, at least, you know, the non Pixar version. And that is an appearance by Rapunzel in the movie Frozen. So Rapunzel, the main character in Tangled and in one of the early scenes in Frozen, um, while they're you know opening the gates to Arendelle, everyone's excited for Elsa's coronation. It's like the first time anyone's going in there in years. There's tons of guests going through. And for a split second, you can see a woman with short brown hair. And this woman, while from behind, looks pretty much exactly like Rapunzel. Of course, post haircut. So big fan of both these movies. Uh, you know, I had to include some kind of Disney Easter egg because there's so many to choose from. And for Certainly. me, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an easy one for me to to get get this one on here. Um, you know, Rapunzel's appearance in Frozen to two very similar type Disney films as well. So I thought it was really cool how they incorporated her there. Okay, so for my number three, another. Uh, Disney Pixar choice and my number three was the 
Luxo ball. If you have no idea what that is, it's a yellow ball with a blue stripes and a red star. And it's something that I've noticed in a lot of the Pixar movies, and that's why I put it at three, because it's not it, it didn't just make one appearance. It made it makes appearances in all kinds of movies. If you first see it in Toy Story One, where uh Buzz jumps up on top of the, the big ball uh in Annie's room. And then you see it in Monsters Inc. when uh, he's bringing back I don't know if you remember Boo the the little girl yes. uh, back to her bedroom. Uh, you could see it in her toy set the the little ball in her room. And then you actually also see it. So I talked about number four with Lotso in the room. You actually also see that the the ball in that same room as well with uh, uh in the r- same room as Lotso as well in the movie Up. And yeah, it it's actually it's it's in a lot of other movies as well. Uh, it's also in the movie, uh, what was it called? It it was the uh, oh, Inside Out. Um, uh, Kenny had in his top five Inside yeah, Out. All right, I, I was actually thinking that that's what yeah, it might have been. When Riley, the the girl in the movie, uh, was a kid when she was running around, you also see that ball in the background. So that's why I put it at three is because it's it makes an appearance in all these uh, Pixar movies. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I always think of it as like a, the Toy Story ball, just because that's where it originated in. Um, I don't know if I ever realized that it was in all these other places. Yeah, it's but in it Toy makes Story. Sense. I mean, it's a simple, simple toy. Yeah, it's so. in all the Toy Story movies. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, in the first movie, Buzz jumps on top of it. And then Toy Story 2, you see it in Al's toy barn as well. And it's just it's just something I pick up uh, in mm-hmm. all these Pixar movies. Like, hey, like that's that's that ball, uh, Toy Story. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um and it's cool that it's in several movies as well, not just like, you know, one one they bring it back for. Exactly. So my number three, um Samuel L. Jackson has played a lot of roles. He is never going to be associated with just a single character because he, he's so much more than that. He's Sam Jackson. He's his own actor. You know, everyone knows the you know, the the swearing and stuff and um, all the iconic roles he's played. But two of his more iconic roles are Nick Fury in the Marvel franchise and Jules Winfield in Pulp Fiction, the Quentin Tarantino classic. And in Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, near the end of the movie, they show Nick Fury's gravestone, seemingly dead. You know, we won't get too far into that, but it shows his tombstone. And on his tombstone, it reads, the path of the righteous man, dot, 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 Ezekiel 2517. And this is a callback to Samuel L. Jackson's character, Jules Winfield's famous you know, Bible verse speech that he gives early in the Pulp Fiction movie. So I thought that was really cool how they tied together both of these movies, um, or I guess, you know, this old movie and this other popular franchise, um, Definitely one of the more notable actors. Like I said, he's played a ton of different roles, and uh, these are two two iconic ones. So I thought I thought that was uh, really neat to kind of see those tied together like that. Two seemingly unrelated movies, too. So that's cool. Wow. Uh, so for my number two, another Pixar one, obviously, but it's the Pizza Planet truck, and you originally see it, of course, from the Toy Story movie where. They, they, Woody and Buzz, they get in the pizza plant truck to see, get to, get to Andy, 
And but you also see it in other movies as well. You actually see it in uh, A Bug's Life, and then of course you see it in Toy Story Two when yeah, like there's like a small, where is it in A Bug's like, Life? It's a very small scene where like uh, I can show it to you after. Like it's 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 not a very long scene, but uh, I, I'll show it to you afterwards. But uh, in they also show it in Toy Story Two where I don't know if you remember the scene where. They're trying to get to the airport, and they need a vehicle, and they find a Pizza Planet truck, uh, in and then in Toy Story two, to get the airport, and then you also see it in Finding Nemo when they, I think it was Nemo that tried to get back to the ocean. Uh, you actually see a Pizza Planet truck, uh, drive by while, uh, Nemo's trying to get back into the water, and then you also see it in Cars. Where I don't know if you remember the final race with uh, Chick and Lightning and uh, the King. Uh -huh. You actually see the Pizza Planet truck in the crowd as well. And then you also see in Ratatouille. And there was a scene where Eva uh, was scanning the Pizza Planet truck uh, in the beginning of the movie. You see it in all kinds of movies. And then Up as well, uh, when the house is flying away, you, see, you look down on the street and you also see the Pizza Planet truck there. The pizza plant truck is... <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere as well. And so, that's, that's super interesting. Yeah, I, I love how they, they find ways to tie it into like yeah. every single film. So, it's so kind of like. like the ball. It's not... Uh, it's It originates from Toy Story, but it's not... But it's not, not just Toy Story. Yeah, it's not just Toy Story. Yeah, all, all part of that connected Pixar universe. Another thing about the Luxo ball, it actually, it wasn't from Toy Story. It actually was like a short... From a short Pixar film before Toy Story, actually. But... When you when you yeah. when us like notice it first, the majority of people like they'll notice it. Actually, first. now that we say that, doesn't the lamp bounce on a Luxo ball in the? So what's funny is that I actually did look this up beforehand. Uh -huh. It doesn't jump on a ball. It jumps on a the I, the letter I. Oh, it doesn't jump on a ball, okay. but it makes gotcha. it sound like you think it sounds a like a ball. Yeah, that's yeah, probably what I'm thinking. I'm picturing the sound the, in my head. Exactly, that's what I was thinking okay. too. So I had to, I actually had to look this up. If it was yeah. a ball or not? But no, it was the letter I. <laughs> <laughs> interesting okay nice uh so normally when we do lists that are focused on films i like to watch most if not all the movies in the days prior so that way i, I have them fully in my head i know what i'm talking about and i have as um you know sensible of a ranking as possible and didn't really make sense to do that for a lot of these since it's just, you know, pointing out little things that I might not notice even while watching it. But uh, I did use this as an opportunity to watch Fight Club for the second time, uh, seven years after seeing it for the first time. So have you, have you seen Fight Club? I have not. Really? I was surprised by that. I thought for sure that you would have seen it. So I, I guess I'll, I won't, you know, go into any spoilers per se, but... Uh, one of the basic themes of Fight Club is consumerism. You know, just the, the whole idea, like all like objects and you know possessions and stuff, and how they all control us. And what was interesting is one of the Easter eggs in this film is that there is a Starbucks cup in every single scene in the movie. Uh, sometimes it's blatant, especially early on. They they call out starbucks uh you're talking about planet starbucks was a phrase and there are other times when i was watching it where i did notice like oh there it is sitting on a table it's in someone's hand plenty of other times where i'm like was it really in the scene but i trust the the research i did that said it was everywhere i saw it enough to believe it kind of like where's waldo 
Yeah, basically. I mean, it's it's like one of those things where like there are a lot of uh, films that do Easter eggs like that, where it's like not just like a quick split second; it's all over the place. And um, so the the director of the movie, David Fincher, said that when he first moved to Los Angeles in 1984, he couldn't get a good cup of coffee. But then Starbucks shows up, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, this is a great great coffee. I love this." Next thing you know, fast forward a few years, there's a Starbucks on every corner. And he's like, it's great, but it became too much of a good thing. So that's kind of his play where it's like Starbucks is all over the place. Let's put Starbucks all over the place in this movie, kind of tying into the whole consumerism, you know, too much of a good thing concept. So wow. that, that was really cool when I no, found that I, out. I, that's cool, yeah. And, and I, I, I would up, recommend Fight Club to you. Like, this, yeah, I, It seems I like a movie up, that you would I really enjoy. I already recognized... Uh, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton like, immediately. So I'm like, all right, yeah, Those yeah. Are two I mean, actors they're they're the two main characters. Immediately, I know already. So yeah, yeah, that's something I could tune into. Yeah, yeah. It is. A, I, mean, I will say it's a very different experience the second time you watch it. Uh, but I also, I think I waited a little too long. Where it's like at times it felt like I was re- I was watching it for the first time um, and only remembering certain points of the movie. But uh, yeah, definitely recommend that one. So okay, great. So for my number one. I went with A113, and if you have any idea what the heck that is, it's A113 is an inside joke, and it's an Easter egg in media developed by alumni of the California Institute of, of, of Arts, and it's referring to a classroom used by graphics design and character animation students uh, that work like that went to the school and work uh, for Pixar, and I and they actually include the A one A one thirteen in a lot of the Pixar movies. Where you'll see it in Toy Story, where it's the license plate uh, of the minivan in Toy Story, and then you see it in uh, Wally, uh, the bad robot Otto. Uh, he has a sign where it says A one thirteen on uh, on him, and then you see the. You see A113 uh, uh, outside the courtroom and up, and then you see it on one of the trains and cars, and one of the rats in Ratatouille had it on his ear, and you see a small glimpse of it in Bugs Life, and I can go on and on. Uh, It's basically in every movie, and it's actually an inside joke uh, from the alumni uh, because of the classroom. It was the classroom for one of the classes that they took. That's really cool. I mean, I, I I read that a lot of uh you know Pixar workers they they all went to that school, so that that's another cool callback. Sounds like sounds like Pixar does a, a really good job with Easter eggs. Like these are some things that I hadn't known before, so I am kind of oh, glad yeah, they you do focus on them because yeah, I, I yeah. wanted to do a main focus on them just because, like I said, like I suck at picking out Easter eggs, but Pixar movies I actually do pick out some of them. But even the ones I do pick out. There are definitely some that I don't, and uh, I found out later, like, oh wow, that, that something like this, like this is actually a cool concept of why they have this Easter egg in all these Pixar movies is because it, it's something that's related to all to everyone, or not everyone, yeah. but like a lot of people uh, that went there. Yeah. Nice. All right, so I'll wrap this up. My number one, and it is. Maybe the most iconic Easter egg in film history uh, and one of the most iconic franchises in film history. That is Orange's foreshadowing death in The Godfather. And I'll admit, I have not seen every single Godfather movie all the way through. I've really only seen parts of it. 
Um, but I, I'm very well aware about the oranges thing. And it, it felt like I mean, when I think of Easter eggs in movies, this is the first thing that always comes to mind to me. Just like an iconic thing, just a, a simple thing, just a fruit like orange. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what they use to let you know that death was inevitable. And uh, if you watch the movies, you'll notice a lot of oranges because there's a lot of a lot of death in, in that film. Um, it's actually something that other films have done in the future um you know i guess the past but the the future after god godfather uh the departed martin scorsese implemented this technique he would put like an x in scenes to tell you when a character is about to die uh there's there's some that are a little more noticeable like um so it's it's matt damon and is it leo leo dicaprio they're both in it uh which movie in the departed yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon. Yeah. One of them has an X behind them in an elevator, and it, it tells you that they're about to die. Like, that's, like, a pretty famous scene in the movie. Like, that's the one that's used to advertise it. And they, they have hidden Xs as well, but it's a, it's the same kind of concept. They did a good job with that. But I, I think that, you know, the, the original one, the, the Godfather and the Oranges, like, that, to me, deserved to come in at number one on my list. And I know my dad is listening to this. I promise that one of these days I will watch at least the first two Godfather movies all the way through. Uh, and maybe this is putting it as my number one on the top five as a reason to to finally take the time to do that. Well, I've never seen any of them, actually, so I'm farther behind. You're not a big mafia guy. So that, right? that's actually Mob what movies, I was about to say. Yeah. I'm not... Gangster movies. I'm not into mafia movies, but I don't know. Maybe if I gave it a chance, maybe I would like it. I don't know. Yeah, they've, they've grown on me. I finally took the time to watch uh, some of them, like Goodfellas and Casino, I watched for the first time in 2020. Um so yeah, I good, know it's, good, it's only a matter I, of time. So I've seen I just Goodfellas to... and I know it's a critically acclaimed great movie and I don't want to say like I hated it, but it just wasn't my, th- like there were some funny scenes in, in it. There were some enjoyable scenes, but for the most part, I didn't care for it. And I know it's, I know it's just because of, it's something personal. Like I don't, it's, I don't enjoy mm-hmm. mafia movies for whatever reason that much. Yeah, and I mean, I I think if you're not a fan of Goodfellas, it'd probably be tough to put up with uh, Godfather for three I, hours. But see, that's 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 why <laughs> that's the biggest turn off to I me. I haven't really gotten into it because yeah, like given how long it's the really movie long. is, but also like uh, what it's about or what kind yeah. of movie it is, and it's just I don't uh-huh. know if I I don't I feel like I would have doubts about enjoying it or not. Yeah, no, I mean it, it makes sense. It's one of those things where it's like it definitely took me getting older to like want to take the time to appreciate any of those films. So. All right, that'll wrap this one up. Uh, you know, top five Easter eggs in films and another another fun episode. So, like I said, we'll have plenty more NBA talk as the playoffs continue to ramp up. Stanley Cup playoffs coming up, NFL draft. You know, by the time we record another episode, the Washington Commanders might not just be looking for players to draft, but a new owner. <laughs> Dan Snyder seems like he's been doing a lot of illegal stuff over the years, so we'll see how long he's able to to maintain that position of his. So for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corn Thanks, everyone. <laughs>